All right, so after sweeping the Reds to begin the uh, so-called second half of the uh, Major League Baseball season, after the All-Star break, the Yankees go on and win 3-4 of four against the Rangers, the, the worst team in the majors, even though things look a little dicey there. They're able to take 3-4, of four, go 6-1 and one after the break, uh, get themselves right back into things after a 500 first half, made things look bleak. And here to talk Yankees baseball with me today is Brian Hoke of uh, Yankees.com, MLP.com. He's the Yankees beat writer for both. Uh, Brian, how's it going today? It's going well, Neil. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for giving me your time. And I know uh, after late game Wednesday night, uh, you're looking for sort of a quick game on Thursday. And it was, you know, a rather long game, three-hour, four-to-two game. But the Yankees get the win um, in what might have been, I think, the, the most uh, unusual, um, maybe odd week um, in recent memory for a Yankees homestand. Been a very strange series, yeah. <laughs> um you know, at least for the Rangers series, starts with that night with five errors, and then uh, you got a 14 inning game with a late uh, late rally there. Um, last night, uh, with not getting the tarp on the field, that was one of the strangest things I've ever seen. So, uh, yeah, rain shortened five inning game. They get a two to one win or get to beat you, Darvish. Uh, hey, it counts in the standings. And then today, a little more conventional, uh, four to two win for the Yankees. So, uh, you know, they, uh, they're feeling good. They're winning some games at home, which is a big thing for this team. And, uh, you know, feeling good going in the, as you said, the unofficial second half. This sort of reminds me of uh, 08, and even though last year I compared that season a lot to 08 because uh, the Yankees were banged up, uh, they were sort of you know putting a makeshift uh, team out on the field, and they missed the playoffs. Obviously, um, the only other time was 08 since going back to 93. And you know this season going into the All Star break, it sort of had that same feel where um, you know going back to that season 2008 when they came out of out of the second half and went on an eight game winning streak, um, and then I sort of blamed myself because I was up at Fenway on that Sunday night baseball game where it sort of fell apart for Sidney Ponson. Um, after the weekend trades, and they never really got it back together then. But, you know, this little you know six out of seven streak, which probably could have been a seven-game winning streak, uh, does it sort of have that similar feel back then where, you know, when they started to get things going after the break and maybe this time it'll actually carry on? Now you're going in the way-back machine. You're going all the way back to 08. Uh, you know, for me, it, it feels a lot like last season, uh, 2013, which I know obviously they didn't make the playoffs, but uh, it, it, it kind of has that same feel where they're just mixing and matching, trying to patch the ship wherever they can. And You know, I, I, I guess 2008 is a, is a good comparison as well, um, but I, I, I really feel like it's kind of you're, you're trying to get pieces on the fly. Um, whatever can incrementally be better. Uh, is Brandon McCarthy better than Vidal Nuno? Go for it. Uh, is Chase Headley better than Jan Hervis Salarte? Go for it. Uh, so I, I feel like Brian Cashman is just trying to, to patch his ship here. Um, you know, losing four-fifths of your opening day rotation, it would be hard for a lot of teams to, to bounce back from that. But I feel like ownership and Cashman and the Yankees are, are sending a message that they're not going to raise a white flag on a season. They're willing to sink a few more dollars in to make some moves and it, it's like what you saw last year with trying to go get Alfonso Soriano. Maybe you catch lightning in a bottle. And, you know, maybe Chase Headley uh, can be something like that. Certainly Brandon McCarthy through three starts uh, seems to have been a, a very good pickup. Well, you mentioned the rotation, uh, you know, losing 80% of it, it being in shambles at this point. And, uh, you know, I joked the other day about if this was a postseason rotation, now you've got Corona game one, McCarthy game two, and then, you know, it's a coin flip whether you want Phelps or Green in game three. Hopefully, if they can manage to win the division, avoid a one-game playoff, though I'd gladly sign up for a one-game playoff at this point with this team, um, you know, they're probably going to have to do some work to the rotation between now and then. And I guess good news coming that Michael Pineda is sort of uh, progressing in, in his return 
Um, the last time he pitched um, was the only time I saw him pitch this year. That was at Fenway uh, when he got kicked out for the Pine Tar game and uh, you know tore that muscle in the simulated game. Do you think, I mean, he's had so many injury problems over the last few years. He's had a number of setbacks this year trying to get back. Do you think we'll see Pineda at some point in the rest of this regular season? I think it's difficult to count on him. I know that Joe Girardi and Brian Cashman say that they expect to get him back. They think they will have him back at some point. But uh, this is a guy who just, you know, so many things seem to happen. There, there seems to be something always waiting around the corner. So uh, for me, I don't expect to see him back. I think that it's certainly a possibility. But to count on it and lock it in as 100%, I, I think that uh, it's tough to do at this point. You don't want to kind of push all your chips into that into that basket there and say, well, this is definitely going to happen. So I think the jury is out. Um, I think the Yankees need him back. I think it would be a big help, but a sure thing, I wouldn't say that. I feel like whether it's you know in the past when I've done a, you know email exchanges or podcasts with Sweeney or had uh, Chad on or Eric Boland, and, and then you there saying Pineda won't be back, leave it to the beat guys to always be the, uh, you know, the Debbie Downers. Sorry, man. It's just kind of... <laughs> Yeah, you, you kind of get conditioned to it, and, you know, especially in Pineda's case. It's, it's kind of like Harpovano disease. You know, you say it's going to happen, it's going to happen. No, it didn't happen. Uh, so, you know, at this point, um, you just kind of say, "All right, we'll see when it does happen." And he does have a long road back. I mean, a lot of things can happen, uh, setbacks can happen. I mean, this is the guy that they thought they were going to get back early in the year, um, you know, and he re-injured himself on rehab in May. So. It's never a sure thing. Um, you just kind of wait and see. But until a guy's actually in games uh, and pitching against lineups, I think that's when you can really start to get excited about it. Before Kelly Johnson uh, was put on the disabled list, I had a pretty strong DFA Kelly Johnson campaign going. Uh, the Yankees won't see him now for a couple of weeks. But, you know, with his role or, or whatever his role became, second base, third base, first base, now right field, um, it just seemed to me like he sort of you know, fell out of favor with the team, then regained favor out of nowhere when Solardi went back down to AAA and Zealous Wheeler didn't get playing time, now Solardi's gone. Uh, and now with Headley on the team, you know, when Johnson comes back uh, and he's off the disabled list, you know, is he going to you know, have a spot on this team? Is he going to be back on the bench as a reserve where he probably should have been all along? Or is this a guy that eventually you know, maybe uh, the fans who wanted to see him gone, maybe the fans who wanted to see Ref Schneider up, even though Cashman said he isn't much of an upgrade, over him or Roberts, we'll see him. I mean, are we getting to the end of the line here with Kelly Johnson and Brian Roberts? Well, in Johnson's case, it's been just a horrible year. It's it's been really rough for him, I'm sure, because this is not what he signed up for and not what he expected. Um, you know, it's kind of a catch twenty two there. I always felt like he needed to get more at bats to get going, um, and and they really weren't able to do that. I mean, why would you? You you weren't going to play Johnson over Solarte when Solarte was red hot tearing the cover off the ball. So. Uh, when Salarte cooled off, Johnson did get a look, and he just didn't seem to get it going. And um, you know, you fast forward a little bit, he, you couldn't say no to the Chase Headley deal. He was an upgrade over what they had. Um, so Johnson, I guess you know, it's funny. This spring, I remember them talking a lot, saying, "Well, he's going to play all over. He's going to play until he drops." Really, uh, and they're going to play him a third. They're going to play him a first. They're going to play him a second. Some in the left field. Um, you know, and they, they pretty much did that. He played all over. He just didn't hit enough. So uh, when he comes back, and they don't think it's going to be very long. They think it's probably going to be about 10 days. So it seems like a very mild uh, strain. When he comes back, will he have a spot? And, you know, he can be a super sub and play all over the field, you know, kind of the way Zealous Wheeler uh, is in that role right now. Um, at some point, they'll, they'll probably make that move. But 
Yeah, as far as uh, Kelly Johnson's New York experience, I don't think uh, it's going quite as well as he thought it was going to. <laughs> well, the thing with Cashman, you know, I was sort of admitting the other day that Rev Schneider, there's a reason he's in AAA, and it was sort of like a way of, uh, you know, downplaying his prospect, his 23-year-old, you know, up-and-coming second baseman or whatever position they decide him to be. I mean, is, is it a point that he's not in the majors right now? I mean, he's certainly doing good enough in the minor leagues to, to be granted and given a spot here, and he has much more of a career to look forward to than a guy like Roberts or John or are they trying to hold back because he may be part of a trade coming up and if he comes up and isn't good it will decrease his value well i don't think it's a, that they're trying to hold rest night or out of a trade i just think cash is a pessimist by nature i mean this is the whole Masahiro tanaka may be a number three starter if we're lucky <laughs> and it's uh yeah well not so much so uh, i think that he uh he's a pessimist by nature it's funny if you watch that whole press conference it's announced that signing um he said the Headley, you know, the reports are and he's an average third baseman. Man, he's a you know he's kind of a spray hitter. I don't think we're getting a slugger here. Uh, but then on the on the other hand of it, he said, "Oh, the Padres are getting a good one in Jan Hervis Salarte. I mean, we're going to miss this guy." And it's like, well, are you doing the Yankee press conference or the Padres press conference here? So he's just kind of funny that way. Um, I think that uh, he's always a kind of a glass half empty kind of guy, and and so I think uh, fans listening to those comments have to take that with a grain of salt, but. I mean, clearly, Ref Snyder is showing that he deserves to be on the prospect map. He, he's, the numbers don't lie. Um, I, I do agree with Cash that maybe he is not a fantastic upgrade over Brian Roberts right now, and that's probably why they're holding off on making that move. Um, I don't think that – I mean, it is a big jump to come from AAA to the majors, and those stats do not always translate. But I think, uh, you know, this is the guy the Yankees are talking about as their second baseman of the future possibly next year. So I think they're trying to be careful with that. If they absolutely have to panic and get him up here to, to help the team, there's no sure thing, but maybe he does wind up being the best option they have. And it sounds like they're much more open to the idea of having Russ Snyder come up and play the outfield and have him come up and play second base. And, and Roberts, for, maybe he's not having an all-star year. I, I mean, certainly he's not, but uh, he's not killing them either. Uh, so I think that uh, the urgency would probably be to promote him and, and help out in the outfield because – Seems like they uh, they definitely could use some help out there. I think Ichiro Suzuki, you remember, spring training we were saying, when is this guy ever going to play? And now he's playing a ton. So I think that uh, that's probably how you would probably use Brett Snyder. Well, the thing with Ichiro not playing a ton at the beginning of the year when he wasn't playing as much, he was hitting you know, 315, 320, he gets put back into everyday role and his numbers started to fall. And with this, with Soriano getting designated for assignment, I thought, you know, obviously growing up, you know, during this, you know, the Jeter era, growing up with the, the late 90s, early 2000 Yankees, um, you know, Soriano will always have a special place and, and memories for me. And maybe that's different than guys who have to cover the team objectively. But it just seemed to me like he was the wrong guy to let go. I mean, it's not like they owed him a ton of money and he sort of, you know, he, he didn't hit. So I guess that's the, the basic way to put it. But he also was, you know, a 14 year guy playing every day. And now he's sort of became a platoon guy because Beltran couldn't throw anymore, couldn't play right field. So Beltran, you know, his injury sort of screwed over Soriano to that point. And I think the same thing's happening to Ichiro now where, you know, he's getting exposed and he's playing in a role he wasn't supposed to play in all along. Yeah, but you said it. He wasn't hitting. And it's a results business. It's, uh, you know, it's what have you done for me lately. So um, the Yankees kind of caught lightning in a bottle last year. Uh, He almost single-handedly put them in the postseason, uh, you know, just – an insane hot streak, and that's the thing with Soriano. You know, he could be ice cold for weeks and then just catch fire out of nowhere. But uh, at some point, the Yankees just had to say, we "Can't wait anymore for it." So, um, no, they'll take the memories. And and you know what? Part of it is 
Soriano also hasn't latched on anywhere else. So there are 29 other teams scouting him, taking a look at it. None of them have uh, have kind of rushed in to snap him up. So I think that that speaks volumes about where he is right now in his career. And maybe he's done. And if he is, uh, it's been a terrific career. Well, with McCarthy and now the Headley move, uh, it seems like the Yankees, you know, Headley got Headley McCarthy. It seems like the stereotypical uh, Yankees, you know trade deadline moves um, that seem to occur during the Cashman era and it seems like whenever they make a move around this time it's the moves like these that come out of nowhere like you go on Twitter and all of a sudden Chase Headley's traded the Yankees or they got Brandon McCarthy for Vidal Nuno um, you know going back a few years when the Cliff Lee uh, move you know I remember going on Yankees.com that morning on my phone I think it was a story that you wrote about how they were going to get him you know everyone was pumped and going back to even a couple years ago when they were supposed to get Dempster and it seems like it's always the moves that you know come out of nowhere are the ones that end up getting done and it's the ones that have a lot of hype that don't get done um do you think we'll be seeing any over the next week you know that sort of come out of nowhere and i know ian kennedy was a huge name on thursday but that seems like one of those lead dempster ones where it won't eventually happen yeah and and that lead deal was so close i mean that was done that was agreed upon but uh yeah no it's it's a stealth move i mean i'll say one thing and it makes our job very difficult but uh, there are very few leaks in that yankee front office i think cashman has overhauled it that way um they are, they're a tight lip. When they are working on something, it's very tough to get somebody on the phone or somebody to return a text message and, and give you a little sliver of info. So, I mean, and, and trust me, we're trying to get it. We always are. So, uh, yeah, the fact that if you don't hear anything coming out of that front office, if, if they're not talking, something's usually cooking. So, um, no, I mean, but Cash has been very vocal about he's, he's working the phones. He's trying to get things done. I think that if you, if you roll the clock back, he was saying it took about six weeks to get the McCarthy deal done from start to finish. Uh, it took about three weeks to get the Headley deal done from start to finish. And the Yankees were ready to rock and roll on that. It was just getting San Diego to say, okay, we'll do it. Um, so I think that things are cooking right now. There are balls in the air. Um, you know, Cash saying yesterday that he would go for a big bat over a big pitcher. I think that was a, a reversal of what he's been saying. So maybe they are feeling good about what they've got in the party. Uh, you know, you look at that rotation on paper and you say, I don't know, it could use something. But you also look at his offense and, you know, before today, coming in today, they had scored the second to least runs in the American League. And the only team that had lower than them was the Houston Astros. So that's not where you want to be. That's not the Bronx Bomber. So. Uh, clearly they could use a little thunder in that lineup, and uh, I think that that probably should be the focus going toward uh, the deadline and even after it. Well, you said how that lead deal back then was done four years ago, and I think to this point that's the most devastating thing that didn't happen to the Yankees for uh, me in recent years. And at this point, you know, he's been mentioned as a guy who could be dealt, and obviously the Yankees are in the mix because they're always in the mix when some big name like that's uh, involved, especially if it's Cliff Lee. And at this point, you know, I almost don't want him because it will only bring back bad memories of what could have been in in 2010 and 2011. But, um, you know, if he's going to come to this team, if he's going to come to this rotation, um, they're probably going to end up having to eat a lot of money. And, you know, is that something that they're willing to do is put on more payroll at this point? Well, I think they're willing to put it on in the right situation, and I'm not convinced that Cliff Lee is the right situation. I think that uh, the fact that the Phillies seem so open to the idea of moving him, that, that says a lot. Um, I think that, but even so, I think it, Philadelphia still thinks they're going to get a good haul for him. So um, I think the Yankees would take Cliff Lee. I mean, he, I think he could help, but how much at this point in his career? He's not the pitcher they were trying to get uh, four years ago. So I think he might be an upgrade, but I also don't think, I think more right now, it's a little more sizzle than anything else. You know, it's the name you're, that you're going for. And uh, this is a guy who spent a lot of time on the DL this year. He hasn't really 
didn't really pitch that well his first start coming back from it. So um, I, I think that it's something that if the Yankees had wanted to get the Cliff Lee deal done, it probably could have gotten done already. Uh, I think they may be holding out to see what else is out there. Um, you know, but situations can change very quickly. Uh, you know, if, if tomorrow one of their pitchers could go down, you never know what's going to happen. And all of a sudden the, uh, the landscape changes a little bit. Well, one of the biggest things that will need to happen is have Mark Teixeira come back and be healthy, which is something that seems uh, pretty unrealistic at this point because he's been you know, uh, in and out of the lineup all season with a variation of injuries, whether it's a lat or a rib cage or his wrist problems. Um, and now I guess the news is supposed to come on Friday, whether he'll have to go on this disabled list or not. Um, and I guess at this point this is what the rest of Mark Teixeira's time on the Yankees is going to be like because that's what it's been the last few years. But, I mean, what can they get left of him you know, out of this season? Is this, is this going to be? you know, constantly a 50-50 coin flip, he's going to be in the lineup on a given night? No, you'd like to think it wouldn't be, but uh, at some point here, past history suggests that he's on this trajectory. I mean, there's a guy who pretty openly said he is on the downside of his career, and, uh, you know, hey, man, it stinks getting old, you know. Uh, I know that 34 is not uh, not old in real people numbers, but uh, if we're a baseball player, that means you're, you're on the back nine here. So, uh, you know, I mean... Look, he's produced when he's on the field. He's hit for power. He's leading the team in home runs. Um, he's played a good first base. I, early in the season, he was actually pretty shaky at first base, which surprised me, but it, he straightened that out. Um, I, if he can be on the field, he can help the Yankees. And uh, But maybe you're just going to have to deal with the idea that he is going to play 100 to 120 games a year instead of 160. Maybe you should set the bar there. And I think that, uh, you know, Look, the money's already spent. It's a sunk cost. Texas is going to get his checks no matter what. So I think that uh, if, if the Yankees can get 100 to 120 games of Mark Teixeira, they should be pretty happy with that. Well, before the season started, I I optimistically thought the Yankees would be in the mix for the division. I didn't think the division would be as bad as it is now, but um, I didn't think the Red Sox, you know, if you look at what happened in 2011 with them and 2000, and then what happened in 2012, really, um, and then what's happening this year, last year was sort of, you know, them hitting a 16-team NFL parlay for the way their season went. Uh, and, you know, the Blue Jays have stumbled in and out. The, the Orioles, I guess, are the best overall team right now. They're certainly in first place, and, and the Rays are trying to get hot. But, you know, when you look at this Yankees team, I've been so up, so down on them this season, pretty down on them going to the All-Star break after what happened with the rain out and the 500 record. Now they win six out of seven games, and I'm talking myself into them going on a summer run, but you know, are they capable of doing that, or is this just a team that beat up on a banged-up Reds team and a terrible Rangers team? Well, they are that team, but I think they're definitely capable of doing that. I think that uh, they're very fortunate to be where they are in the East, uh, that nobody's run away with it and that it hasn't lived up to expectations, but that's for the Yankees' benefit. It almost almost gives them a free pass for the first half because nobody else was able to put together a terrific first half either. So uh, now you're down to a, a two-month season here, and, you know, that second wild card plays big too. I think that no matter what happens here the rest of the way, unless they tank, uh, you're going to have meaningful September games, and I think that's really all you can ask for. Uh, you know the house is going to get packed anyway for that Derek Jeter guy who I think you've heard is retiring at the end of the year. <laughs> so they were going to have good crowds regardless, but I think that uh, the fact that the first half played out the way it does means that the Yankees are going to be within striking distance for a playoff spot, and uh, that should make for a fun September.
That was some good optimism for me there. That got me feeling better. I think that, you know, obviously I would never want them to play in a one-game playoff because I don't know how I would uh, physically and, and mentally and emotionally deal with that. But um, let's hope this thing gets to the division uh, and let's hope they get into the ALDS with a, with a free pass. But, Brian, thanks again for your time today. And, uh, you know, we'll have to talk again uh, before the season ends and down the stretch. And hopefully they're still alive, like you said, in September. Absolutely. We can talk then.